0: Welcome to The Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey Hill and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me and some of my friends from all walks of life as we chat about how The Prophetic is purposed to build both the church and to break outside of her four walls into your world. We'll chat to prophetically-minded people who are positioned in the marketplace, education, science and medical world, arts and entertainment, government family and the church all with the intention of equipping you to prophetically build and lead in the places and spaces that god has placed you so let's get to it today we continue in our focus on prophetic worship including chats about worship leading last week with Roma waterman production art and today musicianship now when it came to this topic I knew there was only one person I wanted to interview because he is the best of the (laughs) B-E-S-T world class in every sense of the word. And I've never worked with anybody as good as he is in this space. And I'm also privileged to work alongside him to call him and his family my friend. I am, of course, speaking of the wonderful Joe Field.
1: Oh, good. I thought you were talking about someone else.
0: I did think for a moment maybe I'd mention another name just to mess with you. (laughs) (laughs) But who else could I talk about? (laughs) Plenty of people. Not really. So you are an armor bearer. You're a recording artist. You're a worship leader. You're a songwriter. You're a friend. And our global worship pastor here at Numa Church. And actually, Joel, you're one of the most, in being serious now, Okay. 'Cause I try that sometimes. <laughs> you are one of the most gifted prophetic musicians I've ever worked with and when I'm worship leading, the prophetic foundation that you build literally makes me feel like I've got wings. I can go anywhere. I don't <laughs> think I've yet found a song you don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. We've we've tried, haven't we? Oh, but... I've
0: given it a red hot <laughs> go. <laughs> but welcome to the podcast, Joel. Wow.
1: Well what an introduction. Thank you so much. You're I'm welcome. actually so Honoured to be here and privileged to be amongst this great group of people you've already had on. And so it's my pleasure and honour.
0: Good one. So you can do a bit of everything. You play how many instruments?
1: Um I guess five. I don't know. But um <laughs> I've always joked that I'm like a jack of all trades and a master of none. Not true. Or uh just I know enough to be dangerous okay. on each of them.
0: List out your instruments.
1: Oh, so I guess keys. Guitar, bass, drums, Mm -hmm. and then saxophone is there. Mm -hmm. It's the one instrument that I actually learned properly. Okay. And causes my parents the greatest heartache that they paid for eight (laughs) grades of lessons. (laughs) And I never play that (laughs) anymore.
0: So can you play the recorder?
1: No, that is beyond me. It's a real shame. Yeah.
0: Because actually I can play two recorders at once, one in each nostril. I
1: was going to say the old nostril trick. And I
0: do love to whip out the Titanic song.
1: Great. Yeah. Well, um, one of these days we'll be blessed to hear that.
0: You shall. Mm. Could be in a moment of prophetic worship when I just pull out my two recorders from my back pocket and look out. Here we go. Mm. Your favorite instrument to play?
1: Depends on the song and the mood that I'm in. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm most often fan behind a keyboard, so that's probably yep. my comfort zone and yep. uh, my sweet spot.
0: It's your weapon of choice. Mm. So tell everyone about this incredible thing that uh, we got to do last year called the Stillness Album. Mm. That's currently out on Spotify and other streaming platforms. Talk everybody through the journey.
1: Yeah, well, Stillness is uh, the project that we, our first project that we released as Numa Worship. Mm -hmm. uh, Came out in October of last year, uh, 2020. And we recorded and produced it during lockdown Mm -hmm. here in Melbourne. Uh, It's an instrumental album. Mm -hmm. And uh, our heart behind the album was to echo, I guess, God's invitation to be still and know that I am God.
0: Yeah, it's Mm. brilliant. And it is so prophetic in nature. And it's the perfect way for us to introduce our topic today, which is prophetic musicianship. So for people who don't know, all but one of the tracks are you playing. And were written by you from a deep prophetic well, which I believe carries prophetic power in people's lives. I hear so many people sharing testimonies with me about what has happened in their life as they've listened to that album. and I know myself personally have felt built, encouraged, and consoled, which is funnily enough, the three purposes of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 143.. So what did the stillness process look like for you? Because there's some old hymns in there as well as songs you've written, and yet they've got a touch of the prophetic on them. Explain that to us.
1: Yeah, well, initially the project began... uh out of our 21 days of prayer and fasting mm-hmm. that we had and we were providing people with 21 days of guided prayers and so as you were putting the content together for that, these devotionals and guided prayers, mm-hmm. uh, I was writing music along with some other guys to accompany it and so we you know, wove the music in and out of these prayers and generally then allowed some time for people to meditate at the end of that mm-hmm. and um, and so really, um, the instrumentals for stillness were birthed out of those out of those prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, my approach was if I was to play this prayer, what would it sound like? So good. Um, you know, or when you read Psalm forty six, ten, be still and know that I am God, what does it sound like to mm-hmm. be still mm-hmm. and know that He is God? And um yeah, so I'm sure we'll go on to talk about what that process actually looks like for me. But that was the writing process for, for Stillness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, as we were flung into stage four of lockdown here in Melbourne <laughs> in August last year, we set about the task of curating those tracks down from 21 to 10 and writing the and producing the album in the space of about eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I was writing the tracks in my. Bedroom at home, yep. and shooting them across to you, and getting your feedback and your input, and then also working with our producer Hayden, yep. and uh, having lots of Zoom sessions and <laughs> WhatsApp messages and so on as we put this together. And um, finally, on October thirty first, we were able to share it with the world.
0: So good, and I was just getting shifted in my study, just <laughs> listening to them and hearing the way that the music matched. God's intention to do through the track, and we will touch on this a little bit later because I think this is a really important point, almost foundational level for prophetic musicianship, Mm. is to perceive the way God is working and then figure out how not to push and pull against that, Mm. but to give that voice on an instrument or on your weapon of choice which is cool so let's actually start with a bit of a biblical foundation for prophetic musicianship before i pick your brain mm-hmm. your big brain <laughs> so i'm going to read 1 chronicles 25 1-6 it says david and the chiefs of the service also set apart for the service the sons of asaph Heman, and jeduthun mm. who prophesied with lyres with harps and with cymbals." The list of those who did the work and of their duties of the sons of Asaph, strap in, I'm giving Mm, it a red hot go. Zachar, Joseph, Nethaniah, and Asherah, sons of Asaph, under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied under the direction of the king. Of Jeduthun, the sons of Jeduthun,
1: Gedaliah,
0: (laughs) Zeri, Jeshiah, Shimei, Hashabiah, and Mattathiah, Six, under the direction of their father, Jejithin, who prophesied with the lyre in thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. Of Heman, to all the pregnant women listening, you're welcome. (laughs) Ideas abounding. The sons of Heman, Bekiah, Mataniah, Uziel, Shebuel, and Jeremoth, Hananiah, Hanani, (laughs) Hanani. How do you have two kids and call one Hananiah and one Hanani? Seems cruel. Just setting yourself up for failure. Iliathiah. Oh, my goodness. Gedelti, well. <laughs> ramanti Iza, Josh Bekeshar, Malothi, Hothia, Mahazioth.
1: Wow, sis. Sounds like you're speaking in tongues here.
0: You're welcome. Mm. All these were the sons of Heman, the king's seer, according to the promise of God to exalt him. For God had given Heman 14 sons oh. and three daughters. I'm assuming they didn't all come from the one wife because that would be cruel again. But I want to pull out a couple of things from this passage. In 25.1, the word used for prophesied here is the word nabi, which is an inspired man or woman. In this case, they're all men listed out because of the culture of the time who proclaim the message of a deity. It's the same word that is used for prophets such as Joel, Isaiah, and Ezra. But in this case, this scripture makes it really clear that the instrument becomes how they give voice to the message. In 25.5, this word seer that's used here is the Hebrew word chose, which is a prophet who receives a message visually and then relays it. In this case, they relay the message they have seen on an instrument. Other non-musical prophets would include Samuel and Isaiah. They were seers, whose primary way of receiving prophetic messages was through what they saw either in dreams, closed or open visions. So here the scriptures talking about musicians doing this. And I love this because in Matthew 10, it talks about those who receive or honor a prophet receive the prophet's reward. Mm -hmm. What's the prophet's reward? It is what they see and hear in the spiritual realm. So if you're a musician who sees and hears or perceives what is happening in the spiritual realm, and then you play that, you actually invite other people into the prophet's reward, which is to see and to hear what is happening in heaven. Great. Interestingly, if we flick over to 1 Samuel 10.5, if you've got your Bibles there, 1 Samuel 10.5, where it says... Of Saul, speaking to King Saul, after that you shall come to Gilbiath Elohim, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man and we were joking earlier Saul really needed to be turned into another man he was a bad dude at this point Mm -hmm. and so under the sound of prophetic musicianship he became like another man Mm -hmm. now from the New Testament we know that those who receive a prophet with honor as we mentioned before receive the prophet's reward which is to see and to hear what God sees and hears so musicians who hear the nabi or see, the seer prophets, who then proclaim what they hear and see using their instruments, invite other people into this space. And so those who receive this prophetic ministry openly, they not only get built up, encouraged and console, which is the three purposes of prophecy, they get to see and hear what the prophet sees and hears. They get invited into heaven's viewpoint and perspective. And when we're in those moments in worship, it does feel like heaven has opened Mm. and the gap between heaven and earth has become very thin. Right. So now I want to dig a little bit deeper into how you operate in this space, Joel, because one of the things you're really good at is just knowing what to play and when. And that's not always um, a melody that perhaps you're perceiving from heaven. Sometimes you're digging from a deep well um, of an old song mm. that fits how God is moving so how did you get yourself to the place where you are able to minister so, so freely in this space
1: well there's two parts to my answer if that's okay Go But for it. Um, firstly music has always been the way that I have connected with God and mm-hmm. that seems like an obvious thing to say because I'm sure we all do on sem- some level if you're listening to this you're probably a musician or involved in worship in-, in some way and so music is the way that you connect with God or one of the ways but for me this is one of the ways that I actually really relate to King David um, because when I read the Psalms I see a guy who is just processing and journeying life mm-hmm. with God and putting that to music yeah. and so growing up particularly as a teenager um whatever i was going through the good the bad, bad and the ugly i would spend hours in this small chapel in the middle of wales <laughs> and just sit at the keys or on the guitar or if i was f- Frustrated, I would sit on the drums and uh, <laughs> and I would just play out my heart before God. And so whether that was joy, despair, fear, frustration, sadness or excitement, angst, whatever it was, um, because I'm not so great with words, uh, I would express it through music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember uh, hearing this quote from Eric Little, the former um, Olympic runner. Yeah, the chariots of fire dude. Right. And so he was a runner and then became a missionary, but he said that God made me fast and when I run, I feel his yeah. pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I feel like God gave me music and when I play, I feel his pleasure. It's where mm. I feel closest to God. Um, and so that was one of the ways, I guess, that I have developed in that space. It's mm-hmm. it's become second nature in, in the way that I, when I feel, whatever I feel and whatever God is Doing in my heart, that's what I play mm-hmm. out. But the second part of my answer is this because it's interesting that you asked how did you get to yourself to the place uh, where you were able to minister freely in your gift. In? Um, see, I had all that experience of journeying with God in this gift of music, um, and I would have never considered it to be a prophetic gift. Right. Because the only person I was ministering to was myself. Um, And the gift was simply intuitive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard, you know, Pastor Corey and yourself mentioned many times that when he teaches on the on prophecy that as long as the gift remains intuitive it remains immature and not useful to others Mm -hmm. and so that's how i would describe it until god allowed our path to cross Mm -hmm. um and i feel like in the last few years as i've worked with you stacy that this intuitive gift has been able to mature Mm -hmm. um because it's interesting to me to me that in that passage that we read in 1st Chronicles 25 mm-hmm. there's five times that this there's this phrase under the direction yeah yeah uh, they prophesied or played under the direction either of the king or their father or whoever their leader was and so the place where i've been able to minister freely in my gifting is actually under your direction <laughs> under your leadership and i i think that's really important for people to understand listening who might feel that they have a prophetic musicianship gift in either in singing or in playing but they don't know how to operate in it or it feels you know intuitive or immature bring it under direction right. bring it under leadership bring it under author authority because too often i think we hear things like you know i'm not getting to do this or yeah. that or express my gift in etc but truly the the greatest freedom that you'll find is under direction Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that's how i've gotten to a place where i'm able to minister freely in my gifting um you know hours and hours spent alone with the lord in secret in the back of the beyond Mm -hmm. in the middle of the fields of wales (laughs) and bringing myself then under your direction as well and i honestly thank god for that because I wouldn't be sitting here talking about it today mm. if it weren't for you operating in this space as well.
0: I love what you've shared, Joel. And the thing is, it's not wrong for it to be intuitive mm. because actually um, operating in spaces of spirit should be as natural to us mm. as breathing. But it's about stewarding that gift Correct. on your life. And one of the ways we steward it is our the authority we exercise in the spiritual realm is linked biblically to the authority we place ourselves under. And of course, we speak about that as graces here Mm. at Numa. Mm. So we've got our fivefold grace. It's all held together by honor. So when you put yourself underneath somebody else's grace, it's almost like getting under the spout of their anointing. Absolutely. And so you can only become more anointed and sit in the slipstream of that. Mm -hmm. And there's an ease about that, which Mm. is a beautiful thing. It does require humility Mm. rather than fighting for your place. Right. But you will get moved to the head of the table Mm. if you can put yourself underneath other people's grace. I also love that you talked about... Uh, whatever area we're leading worship in, and our musicians are leading worship as well, mm. is we have to have gone somewhere with God before we have the authority to minister to others. Right. And often when we're um, early in our journey, we really just want to get our whole bag of tricks out mm. and show everybody what we can do. Mm. Um, but as we mature in serving God and as we become more Christ-like, we actually realize um that we have to be going to new depths with God before we're trying to lead anybody else there, or we're actually going to very quickly be exposed as we're very thin people at Mm. times (laughs) um, in a spiritual sense unless we're constantly being filled up ourselves. So I love you've talked about those things. I want to ask you a bit of a harder question. Mm. When you do go to play something, do you hear it or do you see it before you play it?
1: It's not one way for me, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do my best to try and articulate it. Yep. Um, I hear uh, words in melody. Um, you know, some people see colour in music. Yep. Uh, I hear words, and so, I mean, that's even how I songwrite. I yep. always begin with melody, and then the words come after. And, and for the longest time, I thought that was the wrong way to do it like there is a right Mm way um but uh until i realized that was just the way that god has wired me Mm -hmm. um and so in a service setting for instance i'm always asking god what are you doing like right Mm -hmm. now in this moment what are you doing and sometimes god will show me Mm um you know he'll he'll speak to me and or I'll have an impression in my in my spirit of you know I'm breaking chains, or you know people have come down, come into this service, you know carrying the burdens of life mm-hmm. and the cares of life, and I need you to play joy or mm-hmm. safety and rest. And sometimes he'll allow me to see mm-hmm. uh, visions as well. You know I've had occasions where, you know for instance I've seen like a small stream running down mm-hmm. from the back of the auditorium. Awesome. And just you know, trickling over people, mm-hmm. and, and it's like this refreshment that that is pouring over people. And so I'll play a melody mm-hmm. that sounds like a babbling brook, or you know, sometimes it's a new a new melody, something mm-hmm. that, that I have never played before, something that's not recognisable or it's unrehearsed. But sometimes it's an old hymn, yep. you know, from the archive. Archives <laughs> that you know releases that and a new anointing for now as well, um, you know. Other times, again under your direction, you'll you'll ask me to play something specific as you've heard yep. from the Holy Spirit um, in those moments as well. And so you know, you'll turn to me and tell me to play "Peace," for instance. Yep. Um, there's an occasion a few weeks ago in service where you said can you play God's love over people Mm. Um, and you know in that moment it's again it's like what does God's love sound like yeah how do you put that Mm -hmm. to music Um, how do you capture that on a few notes on the piano Um, but often what I'll do is just take a moment to pause uh, and breathe in and yeah. and pray God what does your love sound like yeah. right now yeah. and use my hands right now yeah. to communicate your love to yes. people mm-hmm. and, and I just love the fact that God uses music yeah. to do that
0: yeah it's brilliant isn't it and love can be God's love can be fierce and protective mm. Mm. and it can be healing or peaceful it can be like a wind it can be a uh, love that motivates and gets us up and moving. So you're right. There's so many different ways that we can play love. Mm. I think one of the most important things that we can do as prophetic musicians is to know God's character and the way he moves through yep. through the word. Mm-hmm. So knowing scripture and knowing the way Absolutely. God works and then figuring out how to play that. So one of the exercises that I encourage people to do is pick a psalm and play it mm-hmm. or Pick a scripture, like pick, when Jesus went into the temple and turned the tables, play it. What was he feeling? Play it. When you are laying beside a quiet stream, which is one of the tracks on the album, play it. Mm. Or when I think of the song, Reckless Love, that guitar lead line Prophesize the theme of the song before we sing. Yeah. Because it sounds reckless. Right. It sounds soaring. It sounds overwhelming. It sounds like something you want to get swept up in. Mm. And I love that, again, we're talking about this a lyric and an intention of God's heart matching with what we're playing musically. Mm. So I think we're going to pause there because there's still so much that I would love to chat through with you. And let's come back for a second podcast. Unplanned, spontaneous. And I'm only paying you once.
1: I'm getting paid. I no, no you're really not. Oh, okay.
0: You're here for the love. Our reward is in heaven. <laughs>
1: That's what I keep telling myself.
0: <laughs> but thank you love for to. everything that you've shared today. It's been so good. And I want to thank every single one of you for joining us today for this episode of The Prophetic Collective. Come back for part B of Prophetic Musicianship. Next week, we will continue talking about it. Join us. Make sure you let your friends know all the musicians in your world who might be interested in this so that they can start to grow in the prophetic as well. We will We'd love to hear your stories, so please share the love on social media. Tag us at Stacey Hillier and Joel R. Fields. That R is very important.
1: It's very important. It is. I don't and know who that Joel at Numa is.
0: Church. Yeah, we don't, and we don't endorse him. No. <laughs> Hashtag Prophetic Collective and make sure you hit subscribe so that you can access part B of this episode as soon as it's available. Leave us a review as this helps us get the word out and build our community. I can't wait to talk to you and Joel next time when we get together on The Prophetic Collective. Until then, stay cool.